0: Welcome to the Axiom Podcast. I'm Joey Brannan, the host this week. I guess we flipped a coin and I lost, so I get the host. <laughs> but with me this morning are Cameron Earhart. Good morning, Cameron. Good morning. And Devin Dash. Hey, Devin.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: All right. So this morning we're going to be talking about level three questions or, or the better way to say it, three levels of connection. And this comes out of a leadership conference that we went to about f- almost four weeks ago today. It was
1: Yeah, it was Vanessa Van Edwards. Vanessa
0: and Van she, Edwards. And the name of the book, do you remember the name of the book?
1: She wrote a few books. One is Captivate. One is Cues. They all have long subtitles.
2: Yeah. She's the CEO of Science of People, the founder and in- Lead behavioral investigator. Sounds like a made up title, but yeah, that's your company, Science of People.
0: Okay. And so when we were talking, we were kind of debriefing, because this is one of those conferences, it was two days and each person presented for, you know, 45 minutes or so. So you kind of have all these sessions and they they begin to run together. But as we debriefed afterwards, after the second day. This was one that we we all kind of had highlighted as like oh this was really actionable like super practical right so some some mm-hmm. things are th- and and the way that this conference you know if you, if you've been to it, it was global leadership summit it tends to be people who've just written a book right and so they're kind of they're kind of recapping their book or the major findings in their book not everybody but probably half of the the speakers are kind of that type of genre of presentation so she talked about these three levels of questions but before we get there let's just talk about like the level 0 questions like what are the the questions that you get asked on a day-in-day-out basis that are i guess maybe a word for them is perfunctory like they just don't matter <laughs> they're like throwaway questions it's kind of a social convention And if you stop to, if you ever really, it's one of those things that if you ever really answer one of those questions, like the people are just not prepared for the answer. So let's talk about this for a second. What are some of the most often heard or spoken perfunctory throwaway questions?
2: Yeah. And it's funny because we use these every day. And we feel it in the conversation. When these questions are being used, like anybody who's listening to this is gonna resonate with this, or I feel they will, because you feel it in the conversation. When you meet someone for the first time and they say, Hey Cameron, nice to meet you. How are you doing? And you just kind of, you just kind of feel it inside. You're like, oh gosh, I'm good. How are you? And it's just it's it's you know, this is not a fun conversation. Another one alongside, How are you? is what do you do? Or what do you do for a living? Just uh, you're like. Oh man, this just I don't feel engaged. I I don't really want to participate in this conversation. I feel like we could have a better conversation than this. And I know they have some others. Devin, any others come to mind for you?
1: One of them that came to mind is kind of a version of the how are you doing? But I heard this one from Steve Shenbaum. He's been on the podcast before. And he always, you know, he's he's an actor, improv specialist by trade, actor. But his he always gives like the action. So it's gonna be hard for our podcast listeners to resonate with this maybe, but it's like the coach who walks in the locker room and he's pointing to people and like going, Hey, hey, you good? You good? Like, and just kind of like walking by. So that's another form of, Hey, how are you doing? But I'm, I I, I agree with you, Cameron. I'm a little bit of a stickler when it comes to that question. So uh, you guys have to keep me accountable. But when I walk by people, I intentionally don't ask that question. You know, like you're passing somebody in the hall and you're like, hello. And then it's like, we almost feel the need to go how are you doing?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But like, we try to, as much as I can. I try to fight that because if somebody asks me that question, I will literally stop and turn to them and be like, "I'm good, thanks." Like, how are you doing? Just to like try to level up the connection in the conversation. But it, most of the time,
0: where they were just trying to get to the bathroom and they really don't want to have a conversation <laughs> with you, that <laughs> yeah. was like, actually, do you have ten minutes? I'd yeah. love to tell you how I'm doing. <laughs> but you know, like I,
1: I don't know. I think maybe we'll. I want to hijack that this portion of the the podcast being that we're just asking like level zero questions. But in some sense, like those things are not, people aren't being thoughtless when they ask those questions. I think maybe somewhere deep down, the level zero questions are like our best attempt at trying to get to some level of human connection, which we're all, I think, we're all really longing for.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think we've just trained ourselves to ask that question. It's so habitual; I, we don't even think about it. It's just the question that comes out. But also, I want to put one quick, you know, caveat because when we teach one-on-ones, what is the first question we teach to ask? How are you doing? And so, I want to make sure there's a difference. I feel there's a difference in how you ask the question when you meet someone and just how are you doing. I feel like it's just an easy route to starting that conversation. Whereas in a one-on-one. We're talking about being very intentional with that question. How are you doing? Like, and and we don't really allow just like, oh, I'm good. Like, oh, you're good. Okay. Tell me more. Like, how's your family? You know, and we go deeper. And so I just wanted to make
0: sure and put that out there in case there's anybody listening. It's like, you hypocrites. <laughs> I think the one of the things to acknowledge is that when you say, how are you doing? It's really in the context of, you know, bumping into somebody or walking into their office or you know it's a, it's a greeting, right and it's not a question, it's a greeting. Mm, the problem is we we feel awkward you know those if you're wanting to make a connection with the person, you have this question th- this greeting disguised as a question, and there's really no way to to kind of reconcile it and so I'd say like one of, one of the things that I would try to do that that I, that is funny like we talk about this this is helpful for me, but you know I need to come up with better greetings. Because how many times do you walk in, you know, walk up, we walk into an appointment, we walk into a conference room, there's a few people there, maybe we get there first and they come in and we're like, Hey, how you doing? How you doing? And we're genuinely glad to see them, but a more transparent greeting, that's a little bit riskier. Like, why do we say, how are you doing? Because it punts, right? It. What we're trying to figure out is whether the person's in a good mood or a bad mood. Like we don't want to be in a great mood if they're in a bad mood. And so it's this mood neutral or emotionally neutral greeting that we're, we're using. And we use it with team members. We use it with customers. We, but what would it look like to have a non-emotionally neutral greeting? So I'm thinking of a situation, Cameron, you were there yesterday, you and I had an appointment in the morning, and then we traveled to visit another client, kind of an impromptu stop in with another client that was a couple miles away. And I walked into the owner's office And that was the first question, how you doing, right? And and it was like the conversation kind of hit a brick wall because you're like- to your point, like we, we'd never, nobody wanted to actually sit down and answer that question like we would in a one on one when we're sitting down and we have an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours stretched out before us in which to like really hear the answer. So if you're asking the question, how's somebody doing? And you don't have the time to listen, well, you're really not a- asking the question. But I play the tape back and what would it have looked like if I walked into the room? and said, Hey, Briar, I haven't been here in forever. It's been, I don't know, probably six months since I've been in your office longer, maybe three or four months since I've seen you. It's really good to see you. I'm glad we got to stop by and I'm coming in and I'm not emotionally neutral. I'm kind of putting my cards on the table that I'm just genuinely glad to see him and then, mm-hmm. and then see where the conversation goes from there. Cause Bre- he had had a tough day, <laughs> you know, he had not had a good morning. And so, you know, I think I would have probably heard, you know, a little bit about the morning and glad to see you too. And, you know, wish we could get together more often, but trying to move away from that kind of emotionally neutral question. That's not a question. It's just a greeting is maybe step one to getting past the levels here. The other one that I've tried, I've tried very hard not to ask for years is what do you do? Mm-hmm. And that was like the the standard networking question when I was going to business after hours and coffee clubs and different you know, chamber events and and that kind of stuff. Cause that's, that's expected. And somebody challenged me one time, like your identity shouldn't be wrapped up in what you do. And you, it might've been more from a, from a spiritual faith perspective, and so I was like, well, wh- why am I trying to put people in that box? I'm not going to ask that question. So I'm usually the last one to ask somebody what they do. But it's funny how like every time we get into like a men's group at church or a networking function or doing this leadership thing now, and that's like, that is what all these people are. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And I'm like, yeah, I, don't, and I, feel like I really don't yeah, want what to talk about do? what I do. <laughs> it's right? Not, and it's and not do, that interesting to like- like- me.
2: It also comes across like an ulterior motive. I don't know. Yeah. Anytime someone asks me what I do, I'm like, you really just want to tell me what you do. So like, why don't we just do what I do? And you <laughs> Is that what, what you
0: say? <laughs> <laughs> I should. <laughs> That'd be a power move right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's, let's get into, so, so level zero questions are the questions that aren't really questions. They're, they're serving some other purpose, but what we think is maybe some kind of social lubricant and it's really not, or it's, it's just, it's white noise, right? So you don't want to be white noise. You want to stand out. You want to differentiate yourself. So maybe, maybe first takeaway is let's come up with some better, better greetings that aren't emotionally neutral that do put a few cards on the table and, and increase the level of transparency. And that, probably gets us off to a running start on some of these level one questions. So I'm going to read these real quick. It's funny. Like when I read these, I'm like, there is no way I would ask this in a conversation, but you know, some variation of it, I think you could probably work in, but the, the author Vanessa has, these are the five level one questions. What was the highlight of your day? What is your personal passion project right now? Are you working on anything exciting these days? Do you have any fun plans coming up and then this last question, how is blank going? So if the previous conversation they told you about a personal passion project, you're like, hey, I'm I'm building this piece of furniture. The next time you see them, you know, maybe a follow-up level one, it's still in level one, but it's like, hey, how's your furniture project going? And it's just that connection. Like I remember this thing that we had last time. So those are all level one questions. So I'll stop right there and ask you guys any of these surprising to you, any, anything here, jump out. Are you using level one questions? I mean, I think I use like the highlight of your day is like a family question. Like I'm always asking my kids when I see them, you know, what was the highlight of your day at school or what was the highlight of your day or your your practice or that kind of thing. And that's the one that the other one that I told you I was going to ask you guys and I won't shut up. (laughs) But I'll just I'll say the other one that I've started using, which is really, really good, is do you have anything exciting coming up? Which is kind of a combination of of the that third and fourth question. But what do you guys see in these?
2: Yeah, Devin, I've been using the question lately after going through this, the question, do you do you have any trips coming up the remainder of the year? Do you have any vacations that you have planned for the remainder of the year? Because I feel like it's a good level question. People love talking about where they're going. They get kind of excited about it. Like, oh yeah, actually, I'm going to Blue Ridge in a couple of weeks, and you know, and then you can start engaging with them. So that's one I feel like has been working for me. What about you, Devin?
1: Yeah. So a question that I often use, it's like a variation of a few of these. I'm not going to go off on a weird tangent, guys, as is my custom. <laughs> but I want to add, I want to add a layer to this because these level one questions are like kind of like the tipping point, like getting to a better, like more connected conversation. And I mentioned it before we were like as we were planning kind of before this podcast and the notes, but I mentioned a book called The Fine Art of Small Talk. We should include a link to it in the description. Because some of these questions that we've talked about are and they're great questions, but maybe they are dependent upon a prior conversation or a bold personality that's not afraid to ask, have any fun plans coming up, right? Like no, I'm, I don't have any fun plans coming up. Um, I, work. I don't, that's, I don't have any,
0: my desk for the rest of the year. My right? boss is an asshole. <laughs> I haven't gotten that yet. I don't
2: know what I would do. If somebody responded and said, no, I don't, I'd be like, that sucks. <laughs> well, I
1: too. So like, I, you know, I don't, I didn't, I don't like, again, I'm, I'm not the science expert, but if they don't have any fun plans coming up, like, or they, maybe they feel like, wow, I'm actually struggling and I have a pretty boring life. Like, that asking that question could put somebody in a pretty uncomfortable position. I don't know my perspective. <laughs> anyway, back to Deborah Fine's book, The Fine Art of Small Talk. Really fascinating because little backstory: she was an engineer, and her her husband divorced her, and so that threw into a tailspin because she didn't know how to connect with people, and so it's that's important because what she learned was, and this is the thing I want the leaders to to remember in this situation is. Some of these questions might depend on a prior connection, even at the most basic level. So what do you do if you are in a networking event? I know we're not talking about that, but what do you do if you are with an employer, a new employee, or you are at an event and you're meeting people and trying to have deeper connection in your conversations? She says, do not forget the context. Right. So if you're in a if you're in a restaurant and you run into somebody that is familiar, but you don't really have a connection with them. Say, oh my gosh, I love, like I love this restaurant. Like, how often do you eat here? And just these are more general trait questions, which Vanessa Van Edsworth kind of talks about level one questions being about general traits. But again, if you're at a networking event, it could be something like, oh, what, like, so glad to see you here. It's nice to see you. Nice to meet you. What excited you most about this event? Like, what are the what are you looking to get out of this event, or what drew you to this event? Right. So those questions will start to get at. Things of things about them personally, so you'll get to the exciting questions. You'll get get to things ultimately that the individual values, right? So, what was the highlight of your day? It's probably the highlight because it's something that they valued. Maybe it was a connection with a friend, a pleasant email from validating email from a coworker or a subordinate. You know, it's a passion project. So, I think that was like that's what I'll add. Is level one questions I think are are great, not because like their special secret questions that have magic power, but because they get to pass the superficial like, what do they do? What's their marital status? And you know, where do they live or where are they from to things that are kind of going on underneath the surface in their heart and that they value.
0: Yeah, I think one of the so one of the examples that I might tie this back to is at a a group, it was a bunch of guys from our church and we we're just getting together to to have a big meal together and smoke cigars and and just have a fun evening of hanging out and I was sitting next to a guy as we were eating that I've known you know he's he's the he's my elder right so he's the guy that from the day we joined the church seven years ago he's been the guy who's been like, "Hey, if you need anything, call this guy and we we've had i think I've gone to lunch with him breakfast or something like that, maybe five or six years ago. but we And we see each other on Sundays, but we don't really have a ton of conversations. And I just asked him the question, you got anything exciting coming up? And he told me about a trip that they were about to take with their grandkids and a couple of their grandkids. And he's really excited about that and being able to, well, actually they're going to see grandkids and they were going to be staying overnight. Like it was their first, the the parents had somewhere to go, wedding or something. So they were going to go to the kid's house and stay, and they were going to be responsible for the kids for two or three nights or whatever. And so they're excited, but also a little bit nervous. So now, like when I come back to him, the next time I see him, I can obviously say, how's your trip? But to Devin's point, I know how important that time with his grandkids is. And I know, I know how old they are. And I know like probably the relationship with his, his child and, and son-in-law, you know, like are you guys now on like a new level of trust and respect? Like we can leave our kids with them and they'll come back alive. Right. So like, there's a whole, there's some insight into that. If I'm reading between the lines, if you're listening, you can use these to get a little bit deeper. Uh, let's go to level two questions. What is your biggest goal right now? Are you learning anything right now? What book, TV, or movie character? Are you most like, I don't think I can ask that question. What <laughs> is, what is weighing on your heart or mind? And then the last one, what is your story? Cameron I've heard you use this what's your story this I think you've used this one kind of naturally I've heard you ask a few people that where did that come yeah. from Vanessa included
2: an interesting part about this of how extroverts love this question their eyes light up and they're going to talk for the next 10 15 minutes introverts hate this question <laughs> and they want to just take off they, they want to put their head down and run for the hills so I think you have to be very strategic when you use the question what's your story I I remember the, the reason I liked it was because when I first came my life to Jesus, I was 21 years old. I showed up to a church and the pastor that I met asked me that question. And I was like, whoa, I've never been asked that. And I'm like, that's a really good question. And I felt so cared about and so valued that I just, it stuck with me. It just really, I mean, it, I was like, wow, the way, the way he asked that question. So it was just something I'd try to be intentional about and i i try to use, i serve with high school students at our church and i try to use that question when we get a new high school student what's your story and and i feel like it just man it's a good icebreaker like it it gets past that level 1 it gets to a deeper emotional level so at i least, like it at least with the extroverts with the extroverts yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> some of the other was the, what book tv or movie character yeah. you most like i would never ask that I know. <laughs>
0: I I might try just to see what happens, but I think of most of these questions like a business context. And I just think of like the blank stare that would be happening across the table at lunch from whoever I was asking this question. But yeah. she makes Vanessa again, my, my new best friend, Vanessa <laughs> says that these level two questions, one of the things that they really do is release a level of dopamine in the, in the person that's being asked that just wasn't present before. And you know if i if somebody says what's your biggest goal right now if somebody were to ask me that i can see where that releases just the idea like there's research that shows that writing your goals down or thinking about or talking about your goals releases a a very similar dopamine hit to actually like achieving the goal like which is mm-hmm. dangerous like you can kind of just plan 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 and feel like you're getting somewhere but even talking about it and and having somebody listen to it like they actually care about it and I guess we should say, none of the. Don't ask any of these if you're not going to listen. If you're going to be looking over the person's shoulder at who else is coming in the room, it's probably not going to make a big difference. But I, I don't think I've asked anybody what's your biggest goal right now. I've asked what's your story, what's weighing on your heart or mind. Seems like a difficult. Like that's that's a. not like see. you're stepping over a line right there, and there has to be a pretty good level of trust or relationship to get to that one. Because you're asking them to be vulnerable and
2: and share some. So yeah, yeah, that one, I feel like that, that has to be used in the right context. That's not like, hey, just met you. What's weighing on your heart and mind right now?
1: So I heard a, a substitute question that gets at the same kind of focus. And it's like, are, is there anything, is anything puzzling you right now? Or or what are, what are the new puzzles that you're trying to solve right now? Puzzles or problems and things that you, you don't have all the pieces for in your mind. So maybe it's not as... I don't know. The, that question definitely has like a weight to it. Like your heart is like the seed of your emotions and your being. So And
0: We ask a form of this actually when we spend half day or full days with clients doing planning. And we've mm-hmm. done this before where we've said there's a hundred different things that are probably trying to pull your attention. Let's just be mindful of them. And if you don't mind, let's go around the room. And tell us, like, what is the thing that is most likely to pull your attention away from the next two to three hours or four hours or eight hours that we're going to spend together? And then we usually go first, you know, just in, in, a, in a exercise or gesture of transparency and to get the ball rolling. And I'll say, you know, I got this email from a client and they're questioning whether this or that is the right decision. And they're kind of pushing back on some things we've already agreed to. And I'm frustrated and I know I need to talk to this person. And there's a piece of me that's worried if I wait until tomorrow, they're going to be upset. And I'm just being honest with you guys. It's, it's hard. It's going to be hard for me, but I, you know, I already feel better about it. I already feel better just talking about it and just saying, I'm going to put that aside. And I'm going to be fully present here. And that might be something, you know, a similar tactic to get to what's weighing on your heart or mind. You know, I'm trying to put myself in the scenario of sitting down across the table at lunch with somebody and, you know, good to see you again. And, you know, kind of get past the the pleasantries and just being able to say, I just got to tell you had a fight with my wife this morning and and I'm I'm still thinking about it and I want to, you know, I want to be completely present with you. I don't know if you got anything going on in your life, but that's where I'm at right now and just (laughs) see what happens. I mean, that's, yeah, you could. Yeah. So let's talk about the level three questions. So these are the, the creme de la creme, like this is, I guess where you're supposed to be trying to get to. So I'll read the ones that Vanessa outlined. How do you feel most misunderstood? I think it's a great question. What's something most people don't know about you? What forces shaped your personality or made you who you are? Who is your hero? What's the proudest moment of your life? I actually did, I actually read these questions to my boys last night. We were sitting around, hmm. sitting at you know, the kitchen counter and talking and they, they liked these questions. They're like, ooh, that's, you know. And so they actually they actually had a go at answering some of them, which was really hmm. interesting. As their father, obviously, I'm super interested in this, but they were like, what's the proudest moment of your life? So I told them the proudest moment of my life, which is... It's... When one of you were born, <laughs> born guess no, which one? <laughs> actually, it wasn't. It, it had nothing to do <laughs> with my kids. But but, it, where do you, do you guys feel like you could get to these questions? And I guess for me, it's with the, with the kids, we didn't have you know, like an hour to talk about this, but they're my Mm. kids. Right. So you can kind of jump into the deep end a lot more quickly, but where do you see yourself being able to, you know, to have enough time for somebody to answer these? And where would you, where would you try to explore these?
2: Yeah. Personally, I'm thinking about a scenario where it's a, a client I'm working with. I've gotten to know him pretty well over the last year and a half. And we've, We've gotten to the level where we're vulnerable with each other. We have some deep conversations with each other. And so I think if I asked any of these, it wouldn't be a shock to him. He would welcome it and it would open it up to a new dynamic. Like I really like some of these. I I like the question, how do you feel most misunderstood? That makes you think. I don't think anybody's ready to just answer that. I think you're like, give me a minute
0: yeah <laughs> let me let me think about that <laughs> yeah let me think about all the people I'm pissed at right now because they don't understand me and what yeah why am i why am I upset with them I mean it is a very introspective question that to me yeah. is the is one of the ones that stood out. What's something most people don't know about you? I've seen that as like an icebreaker question, so that one is it that's one of those tough ones. I'm like yeah, I probably would mm-hmm. leave that one out, but I definitely like the how do you feel most misunderstood? And number 15, what is
2: the proudest moment of your life? I do like that a lot because that is that dopamine release. I mean, I, you know, I immediately start thinking. Joey, not to make you feel bad or anything, but like the birth of my son, like, oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: like, like what a moment. It gets me excited. That's because you've only got one. I've got three. Yeah. So you know, there's certain things that are just off limits. Like who's your favorite child? Like who, what's your I have a moment? Favorite. Yeah. You, you have a favorite. I'm not allowed to have a favorite. <laughs> Well, where do you see like what forces shaped your personality or made you who you are? I mean, that's a great question too. That's one that obviously has never even it's never even occurred to me to ask a question like that. And and who's your hero? I don't know if I'd ask that one or not. Who's your hero? Who are some of your heroes? Any any question? So this is kind of the proudest moment. And who's your hero? Like those like what's your most embarrassing moment? I'm like, my most, I don't know. Like I got a list. Like you want me to start, right? Devin's got one. He just raised his hand. <laughs> that will be for the after show. <laughs> but you know, who's your hero? I might say like, who are some, who are some people who really influenced you? Give me like two or three names. What are some of the, the proudest moments? If you got a proudest that really sticks out, that's awesome. But, or some yeah of Yeah. I, so going back to the high school
2: ministry that I, I lead, I shared my testimony last week because I didn't have time to prepare the lesson. And so that's just the, <laughs> the fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I shared my testimony and then I opened up the questions. I didn't know what kind of questions. I, you know, there's 12 high school boys, like, you know, what, what kind of question are you going to get? And the first question I got was, who do you feel like, poured into you the most in your life? I'm like, whoa, that's a good question. And I got excited to answer it. I started naming off all these people. And so I think that's maybe, that's maybe a variation of that, who's your hero, that might be a little bit easier to answer. Go we asked
1: this question too when we're interviewing teams and getting ready to kick off with them because leadership is important for what everything that we do. If leaders aren't in business, like just, it's not going to go very far, I would say, um, pretty confidently. But we say like, who has shaped your leadership philosophy? What's shaped your leadership philosophy? And so we look at past managers, past employers, and influential people in their life who've sort of modeled or or been a mentor to them about what is the right way to to treat other people and lead them and what maybe where they've learned some bad habits from.
0: I'm going to add a 16th question to the list. This is one that I'm, I guess I'm not surprised I didn't make the list, but I was listening to the CEO of Duolingo in it's in this, the, the app that mm-hmm. teaches foreign language. And he was talking about, he was being interviewed and he was talking about how they, they take a very slow process to hiring and they are you know, trying to make sure they get the right people on the bus. And one of the things he really wants to hear is what are your, tell me about some of your failures And so he wants to know the failure, you know, one, he's looking for somebody who's humble enough to like admit a failure, you know, and he's like, there's, there's the answers that are fail, not fail, which is like, well, you know, I just care too much. (laughs) Like, okay, well, that's not exactly what I was talking about. So not just the ability to see failure, but what is their perception of their part in that failure? And this goes, mm. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because Vanessa talks when she was giving this presentation, she says that when you get to level three questions, you begin to understand a person's self-narrative in terms of how they see the world. And it gives you a deeper level of understanding into that individual. And I think that that's what this CEO at Duolingo was talking about too. He's trying to understand whether this person sees themselves as a victim or somebody who's able to take responsibility and overcome obstacles because if he hears yeah you know um this project that I was overseeing it tanked, and we we never really got it off the ground. And I knew what needed to be done, but my manager just couldn't see it. And it was really frustrating for me. And so he's taking mental notes saying, well, this is a person who sees themselves as a victim or is more concerned about shifting the blame over to another person than, than possibly admitting they could have done something different to win that manager over to convince them that this was something to move forward. So I, I like that 16th question, but I also think that that's one... Oh, you know, these other questions, how do you feel misunderstood? That's kind of, you know, that's neutral. That's like not good or bad. That's just me being able to tell you something about me, something most people don't know about you. Same thing, forces that shaped your personality. That's very positive, right? You're not asking that person of a person who's depressed, you know, what forces in your life made you depressed? You're saying like, you're, you're interacting with somebody who you're getting to know and you're like, Hey man, like you're, you're amazing. What, what shaped you, who shaped you? What are the things that got you to where you're at? That's very positive. Heroes, very positive. Proudest moments, very positive. And so I think it's not surprising that a question like that didn't make the list because it's not like super positive. It's about failure. Right. But, but I would love for somebody to ask me, you know, somebody who really wanted to know me and how I see myself. Hey, Joey, tell me about some things that you've really goofed up in your life. And I got a, I'm 49 years old. How, how long do you have? I got, a, I got plenty. But then to know that that person was actually listening to understand how do I see myself is a, a whole different level of connection.
2: Yeah, that's good. And, and, you know, I think when, when you think about people that you really like, the most not nice. so take out your family members, maybe take out your closest friends, but outside of those groups, like who are the people that come to mind? I'm like, I just love spending time with this person. We're not even best friends. I it's always people they listen really well, they ask really good questions, and you just feel cared for and valued. And I think a lot of these questions and the ones you're referencing they, they get to that just making the person feel cared for and valued. But you know, to your point, after you ask the question, you have to be a really good, active listener. And and when you have those skills and you really practice that, you become so much more likable in so many ways.
0: Well, there's one skill. I mean, I'll. We're, this is not a, a podcast on listening, but one of the best tactics, you know, for for the ill-equipped listener is that was that parroting. What's it called? So like, oh, mirroring. Mirroring. So you just repeat like the last three words they said, right? And the it's, last three words they said. Exactly is. the <laughs> last two words they said. And it's one of those things that you would think this is so obvious. They're going to see what I'm doing, but they really don't. They just, <laughs> what they hear is somebody, they hear somebody who's hearing them, right? They feel heard. And they'll begin to disclose more and more. So if you str- like I struggle to listen, I'm just going to be self-confession time, but learning those three words took all the pressure off. Cause the pre- I would put so much pressure on myself to, well, am I supposed to, I don't want to solve the problem, right? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not supposed to solve the problem. Am I just supposed to nod my head? Does that seem disingenuous? Am I supposed to ask questions? I want to ask a good question. And I put all this pressure on myself and I would just freeze up. And I didn't feel like I was able to really convey to the person that I was interested and in. I did care about it and I just wanted to hear more. And when I read, what is it? Never split the difference. Is that the book that Mm -hmm. it's probably in a lot of places, but that's one of the areas that that's one of the books that I really started to apply it works beautifully. So this is not a podcast about self-help. It's not a podcast about how to network and win friends and influence people. What's the takeaway for a business owner? We're, We're talking to business owners and leaders in on leadership teams in businesses How do you guys apply this? How does this material get applied to what they're trying to achieve or accomplish in their business as leaders?
2: Yeah. We talk about it all the time, how your first ministry or, or, you know, the the people you should be pouring into first are your employees first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And so how do you make your employees feel cared for, feel engaged, feel valued, feel recognized. If you don't get, to know them and who they are as a person. If you don't ask these sort of engaging questions, it's going to be tough to get there. And, and so I, I feel like for me, that's the most practical way as a business leader that you can use this content, you can use these questions is to better engage your employees so they feel more cared for. Devin?
1: I'm going to pull a quote from Vanessa Van Edwards. She says, as leaders, we must both ask deep questions and listen with compassion to their answers, right? So that's just the summary quote of what you said, Cameron, which is it's so vital for leaders who want more than just worker bees in their organization, who want people, I think we've quoted him a couple of times in the last few weeks on the podcast, but want what Simon Sinek calls those people in your organization who will work for, you know, with their blood, their sweat, and their tears in your organization, like we have to show them that they're they're more than just their technical qualifications or certifications, they are human beings that we have to care for. We have
0: to do these things in order to show that. Oh, what we say customers come second, right? That's mm-hmm. the so if you're not willing to take the time to ask some of these questions of your employees and get to know them better, then they're going to work for a paycheck, right? And it's funny, like sometimes we hear business owners say, like, you know. What's their reward for doing this or that or the other thing? Oh, they get to keep their job, right? And that's, that's, (laughs) yeah. So, well, we want you to shoot higher than that. We really want you to not just have employees who are engaged in their work, but to have leaders who are engaged in the lives of their employees. That's how you make a difference. People always want to know, like, how do we get more engagement, more engagement, more engagement? Be engaged, right? Like, if you're (laughs) not engaged in them, Don't expect them to be engaged in the work. So, uh, we will publish all 15 of these questions, actually 16. I'm going to take the liberty to add Joey's 16th question to the list. And we'll put those in the show notes, as well as a link to the book that Devin mentioned, The Fine Art of Small Talk. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Devin and Cameron. Oh, Devin's got his finger up. nope, Nope. He's changing his mind. Okay. We're all done. We'll see you next week.